Hi there. That music is the cue that we are back at it right here another time on the 30th edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Yes, episode number 30. And boy, oh boy, we have come a long way in 30 episodes, I think. I would agree with that, yeah. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7 producer Joseph Peters. More podcast episodes than years in my life. Wow. Yes. I didn't think of it that way, but okay. We still have a few more to go until we get to my years in my life. Just a few. Another 18. Uh, The traditional 30th anniversary gift, by the way, is pearls. I see you didn't give me anything. I did not do that, no. All you get here is a couple of clams. (laughs) All right, I'll stop already. Very well done. Uh, All right, here's one thing I learned uh, this past weekend, Joseph. I'm definitely not a wooer. A wooer. Oh. A wooer is a person at a concert or a show or an event, someone who goes woo. But, but I mean, not just goes woo. Wah! You know, that kind of wooer. Yep. I, that, yep. You know, mm-hmm. kind of, I, I bring this up because my wife and I, we went over to the uh, media night for the new Cirque du Soleil show last week, and there was an over-enthusiastic wooer right near us. Actually, there were, there were two of these people. Uh, one was more into wooing the other, but they both really liked the woo. Really, really enjoyed their wooing. One of the people was wooing at times. I don't even think really deserved a woo. Because uh, these Cirque du Soleil shows, they're amazing. Yes. These people are really, really am- There was this guy, this contortionist person, that was doing... His hips were backwards. His face was in his bottom. I have to say bottom because that's what my girls would get mad if I say anything but bottom. Uh, <laughs> it, I, look, I could see at that point a justification for a good hearty woo. But, but for some of the other acts, this person was just wooing when mundane things were happening. I mean, they were, like, sweeping up or, or mopping up the floor because there was water coming down. Wooing for the water people. <laughs> it was like... Over-wooing. It was, it was yeah, it, they were definitely over-wooing. I, I'm more of a yeah kind of guy, I think. But it has to be under the right circumstance for to get the yeah. That's that that's my thing. I bet I, I don't go to a lot of concerts or... I, I don't... Maybe I gave a yeah once at the show, but I don't recall doing the yeah. But to all you wooers out there... I mean, come on. Keep on wooing. Just pick your spots. And maybe a, a, a little bit better forethought of when you're going to do your woo, and then woo enthusiastically, but just pick your spots when you woo. We got the Metallica show tonight over at uh, Mile High. Any wooers over there, you think? I, I don't think so. You no. don't think there's going to be a lot of wooers? I don't think that's a woo crowd. That's more of a yeah crowd, I would imagine. Our neighbors are wooers. We actually call them the woo girls because all they do is stand outside on their balcony and get drunk and, you know, celebrate and do karaoke and say woo when the other one's doing karaoke. And they're bad. They're bad karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would think that a Justin Bieber crowd would be a bunch of wooers. Yes. Because he's also that. going to Mile High Stadium sometime this summer. I would agree with that. Um, the only woo that I'm down with is the Wu-Tang Clan. But um, uh If you want to comment on my stance on wooing or anything else, you could always send us comments, questions, concerns to our Twitter page. Uh, you can also, if you like, contact us by sending us check for any amount right here to the station. Or even better yet, send bitcoins. I have a bitcoin account, Joseph. I really do. I've had one for a long time. And actually, you know what? I had, I don't know, it was like 50 bucks in there, and now it's like $250 because it's skyrocketed over the last couple of weeks. You better cash out I now, should. Man. I was thinking about it. Like, <laughs> I was looking at it going, how do I have this much money in Bitcoin? I am all out of the Bitcoin This business. is crazy. Well, now everybody's going to be sending Bitcoins because it's, you know, it's, it's the hot thing right now, so jump on that bandwagon. 
or something. <laughs> well, I missed my opportunity, Joseph. Poof. Gone like a fart in the wind. Never will I have the opportunity to ride my motorcycle with my small child on it in the Philippines. Oh, darn. Yeah. <laughs> The new law there just took effect that states small children would no longer be allowed to ride as passengers on motorcycles. Only children whose feet can reach the foot pegs and are able to fully wrap their arms around the rider's waist will be allowed to ride motorcycles. Well, the kids must also wear protective gear and must also be in with an adult sitting in front of the rider will not be allowed as well. Because that is, obviously, they try to cram as many people as they can on a motorbike is what they would call it, I think, in that part of the world. The only exception is going to be uh, in cases where the child is being transported because they require medical attention. So even the child carrier, where the child is in the backpack, on the back or on the front, that doesn't count either? If they can't reach the foot pegs, get off. I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't like it. Well, there you go. I I think there's a lot of other people that don't like it either (laughs) because that's how they travel in those those parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Violators will face a penalty of 3,000 Philippine pesos for the first offense, 5,000 for the second, 10,000, and a month suspension of his or her license for the third. And that automatic revocation of his or her license for any violation past that. So it seems like they're cracking down pretty hard. By the way, I think 10,000 Philippine pesos is like 200 bucks. But that's a lot of money in in the Philippines, I would think. That's not a joke either. That wasn't a bit. That's actually the exchange rate for the Philippines (laughs) to the United States. Uh, Really, what's this world coming to when I can't ride with my tiny child on a fast-moving motorbike down the overcrowded streets of Manila? Honestly. I mean, I might as well just go ahead and quit. Right. I like to cradle my infant in my arms when I'm riding the motorcycle. No hands. I mean, since I can't do this anymore, I guess I'm going to take these scissors and run around the newsroom at top speed. Let's hope I don't run into anybody I like. Good news is there aren't many people you really like in this newsroom, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the, oh, yeah, there's like a little meeting going on right outside the door right now. Fantastic. So. All right, perfect. Well, despite the fact that the vehicles have changed enormously over the past 70 years, the roads that we drive on have advanced surprisingly little. Toby McCartney, he's an entrepreneur and an engineer. He lives over there in the U.K., And they've been working to change just that, courtesy of technology that allows for the creation of high-quality road asphalt made partly out of recycled plastic. He wants to use discarded plastic from landfills and then transform millions of miles of road around the world. And I'm actually surprised this hasn't happened until now, but I imagine it probably has to do with cost and, and, and profit and that sort of thing. So this guy says what they're able to do now is take all this plastic that's been thrown away or, or sent to the recycler and use a special formula to clean it off and create these pellets. And then they use those pellets as an additive into the asphalt mixture and makes it longer lasting for all the roads that we would drive on. So a couple of places in England are already starting to use this product to build their roads. The idea has attracted the attention of Virgin founder Sir Richard Branson. And when he gets involved, it's got to be some money to be made. Or I guess he does some philanthropy things but, uh, but no it's probably a profit that's what, yeah, that's what decision uh the plastic based asphalt lasts longer because they say it's 60 percent tougher than the standard asphalt and, and by tweaking their little recipe the surface can also be modified for different environments they say this product also saves money next up they want to expand to new countries and they want to do it the right way because they don't want to deal with over demand because they think it's going to be a great product and that would leave them with uh, unfulfilled orders, right? So I didn't see if they're looking to expand in the United States, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to do that here. So many cash-strapped cities around and states around the country are, would, would die for this kind of thing if they could save 
repaving all the time. Mm-hmm. I, why not? I mean, if you make the roads more durable and and uh, they last longer, I, I'd be all for it. I'd like to see some testing done here in Colorado because we do have that unique winter time, spring time, the freeze thaw cycle that's really harsh. I mean, obviously we have some harsh winters in the mountains. We have the higher altitude to deal with, the the sun, all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, so yes, it's a profit-based decision, but do they really want to see higher quality roads? Because part of the way these people make their money is by repaving the roads and making repairs to the roads that are already in place. Yes. That, but, you know, that's the old um, that's the old theory. Do you make something that is such great quality that you only buy once? Like you're going to buy a cast iron pot, right? One of those cast iron things. You really only need one in your lifetime because they're supposed to last your entire lifetime. Correct. But it seems like they keep selling a lot of those those things. Well, because you know, with, that, with that specific example, I'm very passionate about my cast iron skillet. People are dumb. They don't know how to take care of it. They get grease and nastiness caked on there. They think, oh, it's cast iron. I don't have to wash it. And then three years later, they're staring at this disgusting disgusting pan and they're like oh god i need a new one go figure i thought they had to ride over the cracker barrel and get one cracker barrel <laughs> right is that where you get them at the cracker barrel bed bath and beyond but yeah cracker oh. barrel i liked your cracker barrel analogy better anytime we can work in a cracker barrel reference on this show i support it there are people who say uh who are, are pretty zealous about wanting to reduce any and all kind of pollution coming from vehicles right that we can agree on that yes there are two schools in london who are taking the next step in tackling what they think is the growing air pollution crisis there by fining parents 130 pounds or about 170 dollars for driving their kids to and from school so administrators at this school believe that tackling the pollution issue is really their biggest problem okay and they want to hit parents in the wallet and it's going to cut down on those who quote unquote unnecessarily drive their kids to school Now, the school officials think this is radically going to improve road pollution around those schools where public transportation is easily accessible. The ban starts right now, and while it only applies to a couple of schools, they think it's going to be expanded to more schools throughout the uh, London area. So while administrators say they're primarily focusing on reducing the amount of pollution that school kids are breathing every day, administrators also say they hope that the ban will also increase children's activity levels by encouraging them to walk or ride their bikes to school and use public transportation. This sounds like a nanny state running amok to me. This sounds like a perfect example of why Americans think Europeans are stupid. Exactly. And some of the public commentary is ridiculous. One person writes, As for pollution, it is the children who walk to school who are subject to the extreme levels of pollution caused by the lazy parents and their kids who aren't expected to have to walk more than a few feet to the school gate. Here's another one. Hopefully, this proposed action will make the roads much safer for the children who already walk or even cycle to school and give the others some much-needed exercise. How overweight are these kids? And how bad are they breathing? Is it that bad? I mean, it makes it sound like they're living in Beijing where you can barely see 10 feet in front of you. Well, aren't most kids a little fat until they hit like 7 or 8? Isn't that a thing? I don't know. My kids are like super rails. There you go. Uh, Here is someone making a stretch. Isn't it time ice cream vans are banned from parking outside schools and at events? Around this area, the ice cream vans are pretty old vehicles, so to park up and have engines running, belching out diesel fumes, cannot be doing kids or anyone else good. That guy was going in the right direction, and then he started talking about the diesel fuels from the ice cream. No, it's the ice cream that's the problem (laughs) for these kids. Another person says, I know that the schools are now pleading poverty, but proposing to extract money in form of a fine... 
from busy parents and grandparents is beyond a joke. Next, some bright spark will have a flash of inspiration and add 50 to 100% to the fine for driving, shock horror, a diesel. The schools should remember that this is England, not Turkey. What, what's wrong in, What's wrong with Turkey? I don't know. Can we go back? This is just bad policy, though, right? And where does the school get off with the moral high ground saying, oh, exactly. we're the ones who get to decide whether you drive your kids to school or not? Get out of here. That's what I was thinking, too. And there were a couple of comments like this one. I can't see any legal basis on which schools could charge a member of the public driving on public roads and letting persons out at the side of a public road. They haven't the authority to charge for that. Exactly. They don't. I mean, why would a school, like you said, have the authority to charge for anything? Correct. I was thinking what this person was thinking as well. Just wondering how easy it will be to enforce such a system. Parents will likely park around the corner and then walk the last few meters to school. I, I'd do that. Yeah. Uh, this person's suggestion is a bit extreme. The solution, don't have kids. Well, I guess that would solve that problem. <laughs> that would solve that problem. And this one is right to the point. Pure greed wrapped up in tissue of lies. Very well done. Maybe that could be the title of the podcast. Tissue, Tissue of Lies. lies. That's very uh, I, I didn't see anywhere how the money would be collected and what the money would actually go towards if someone started paying that fine. I would doubt they're actually going to give the money to some kind of pollution crisis uh, organization no. or hotline or whatever. No, right? that money is going right back into the school budget, or if that. That money might be going right into the principal's hand. He's the one who writes the ticket. He's the one who collects the fines. He's the one who gets a new boat out of the deal. I have a hard time thinking anything like this is actually going to happen. But just because it doesn't happen the first time doesn't mean that the idea is dead or gone forever, right? It's going to be back, and there's going to be more teeth in it probably the next go-around. And and this is on top of that new toxicity charge that London starts in October to help the government, they say, with preventing the highest polluting vehicles from using the capital's roads. The charges get this 10 pounds per day for any vehicle older than 2006 and some other vehicles as well. So if you drive in London with one of those cars, with the congestion charge and with that new toxicity charge, you're going to pay 21 pounds 50 or about 28 bucks each and every day to drive around London. I can tell you I would never drive in London with those fees in place. Besides, I'd rather go up to Scotland, go up to Ireland, spend some time driving up there. What in the world, man? Like, why? Here's what I don't understand. Let's say you're middle class, and part of the way you get ahead is by driving a vehicle from 2004, and now the city of London's like, eh, your plan to get out of debt doesn't really matter as much as you buying a new vehicle so you don't pollute the air. And what's to say that a 2004 vehicle pollutes less than a 2008 vehicle? I have a lot of problems with this. Yes. Europeans are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Europeans are dumb. That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. That'll be the subtitle. Well, coming up, we'll take a break right now. But coming up, we'll have lots of other great stories, including why I wish I was very, 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 very rich. And also, some helpful tips here on the old Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Adam Hammond, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. When I come to a story, people say, well, well, where's the camera person? And I said, well, you're looking at her. I said, that's me too. And they, they kind of throws them off. But I love having 
control over the video, but sometimes I will have to move my camera. It slows down the process a little bit. What's rewarding is I feel like I really get to know my subjects and I get to spend time doing it. And at the end of the day, when I look at my it's almost like your project for the day. You created a project and then you're going to present it the next morning. You're proud of it. And having a role in that whole process is rewarding. Connor Wist, only on Denver 7. We just have a lot of content, a lot of stuff to offer to the viewers in the morning. I think my favorite part would be weather. I mean, I'm a, I love weather as it is. Um, but I just think the weather, you know, is probably going to be my favorite part, what's going to be like. And of course, you know, when we go out there and, uh, gather our interviews and stuff, I always watch the weather to see if I need to bring rain gear, snow gear, what have you. Mike Iliopoulos, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy Podcast, and I want to take a brief moment to wish each and every one of you a super happy National Tire Safety Week! Hooray! If you didn't know that your tires are already terrible, to the point that they are basically smooth without any grooves left in them, this week is surely going to make you go out and go get some new tires. Yes. And if it doesn't, this week will remind you that you shouldn't be driving on bald tires, and maybe you should go get new tires, right? Is that the purpose of the week? You know, I, I mark it on my calendar every year. I actually was received a pitch from some place about this. and it's Goodyear. You know, <laughs> they said they would bring some tire technician down to the station, into the parking lot, and we could talk about how to measure tire treads and, and uh, what, what to look for. And I'm thinking, if your tire is smooth, it probably needs to be replaced. Right. If you can fit a dime in the tread, you're probably good, right? Probably. Like that's what it comes down to. It's the old quarter, you know, George Washington's head on the quarter kind of thing. So tell me if I'm crazy for this cuz we just got our snow tires replaced with summer tires. And I'm perfectly fine changing a flat. Like I don't mind putting a spare tire on, but for some reason the idea of putting all four summer tires on and taking off all four snow tires off I was all set. I was like, I don't need that kind of responsibility laying on my shoulders. I would rather have the pros do that. Am I crazy? (laughs) No. Because I very easily could have just put all four tires on and called it a day. Look, it's labor intensive because you probably only have the one jack. Correct. And you probably only have the little bitty one where you have to crank it with your hands, right? Right. You don't don't have the the lever one that goes under the car. That makes it a lot easier. Uh, When those guys can just drive it up on a lift... Pop it up in the air, then zing, 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 doing it like an indie car, where they're done in about twenty seconds. I'm just saying, it would have saved us money, and yes. I would have been happy to do it. But if there's an accident or something that gets caused by a tire falling off, I just don't want that on my shoulders. Right. I'm good. <laughs> so you're doing it for the responsibility reasons, the lack of responsibility that I carry into everything that I do. Yes, perfect. Sir. Well, this month has already brought us uh, the Lane Courtesy Month, so. I'm not sure what other weeks. I heard Windshield Wiper Appreciation Month is coming up in a couple of weeks. Windshield Wiper Appreciation Week? Can you tell if I made that up? (laughs) No, but the thing is, it's not that far from being the truth. 
call me. I don't know. We'll probably get a pitch from some national agency here pretty soon. Bring it on. Uh, you might have heard of a house on a curve that occasionally gets hit by an out-of-control driver. We had one of those this week, actually, here in town. There's a house in China that's been hit 48 times by trucks in the past year. It's on a 90-degree angled turn at the end of a ramp from a highway, so that was bad buying decision. Uh, drivers don't think they need to really slow down as much as they really do when they're taking that left turn. They end up crashing through this guy's fence and right into his front yard. The owner estimates more than 100 accidents have occurred in the family's front yard since the road came up seven years ago. The couple have banned their daughter from playing in the front yard for fear of getting hit by a car. Well, they should have probably bought the house ne- next door <laughs> if they were really worried about that. So, look, the efficient Chinese government is reportedly looking into the problem and doing a safety audit. That, that shouldn't take any time. For the moment, they built a barricade in the front yard to help cars to stop them from actually doing damage to the house. Do we have pictures of the barricade? What does the barricade look like? It's is probably it... a bear. <laughs> Bunch of bears in cages. I'm picturing like a, a titanium wall. You know what I mean? Something that's completely impenetrable that just leaves an imprint of the car in it when somebody drives into it like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. I was kind of hoping for a small replica of the Great Wall. That would be in front of their house, since it was China. The Trump wall. Keep out, keep out the Mongols. There are times, more than others, that I wish I was very rich, Joseph. This is one of those times, because there is a map for sale that will cost a lot more money than I will probably ever have. If you don't know, I really like maps. I've always liked maps. Uh, so I got this map. It's a, a pre-1900s map of the entire state of Colorado, and it's really cool. My wife took it and got this. It's like a, a hard board kind of thing where you can hang it up on the wall. Okay. I, this this map is, is enormous. It probably fit along this wall here. Anyway, coming up soon at an auction, a map that Herb Ryman was asked to create by Walt Disney of the original Disneyland is going up for sale. So the map was just sitting in a corner of Walt's office there when an employee asked, hey, could I take that home? And Disney said, sure, why not? Well, about 20 years later, a collector bought it, and now that collector wants to sell it since he's turning 70. He probably wants to just cash out. And this auction house expects this map to sell anywhere between $750,000 to a million dollars for a map. So that's why I need some donations. So here's my ask. If there's anyone interested in letting me have just about a million dollars so I can buy a map, you can send the checks to Jason Luber Traffic Guy, 123 Spear Boulevard, Denver, Colorado, 80203. Of course, I will take the bitcoins. I don't have, I don't know what that is because that's like a series of numbers and, and letters and things. In, in all seriousness, you know who's going to end up with that map? The Walt Disney Corporation. Oh, most likely. They're just buying that thing right back and they're putting it up on a wall somewhere. They'll probably put it back in Disneyland in his old office. As they should. Realistically, you could put this map on Facebook Live in perpetuity with a little rotating sponsorship on the bottom and make all of your million dollars back in like five years. But that is brilliant where the Disney company would buy it, put it back, because they still have his office there at Disneyland in California, and they could just put it right back there in the office where it was originally given away by Walt. Speaking of, shout out to all my friends who are working at Walt Disney World this summer, the one who's working there for the fourth summer in a row. Did you know there's a basketball court inside the Matterhorn? No, I did not. I got Disney facts for days, man. That's on our new podcast, did... Disney You Crazy. <laughs> I did go. My sister-in-law got married. They they got married in Norway 
in Disney World, and so we went into these back doors. So you go up into like you're going to, into the Norway thing, and then there's like a special secret door, and you go to that door, and you, some lady lets you in, and it just it's it's like a magical door. You would never think there's a door there, and then it opens, and then you're in these tunnels, and it's wild. I mean, Disney, for as great as it is on the surface, there's so much beneath the surface that people don't ever talk about. All I need, actually, how about this? Maybe a million listeners can just send me a dollar. Then I can buy the map. All right. Because I I think everybody can just come up with one dollar. Everybody has a dollar. Absolutely. Tell your friends. Jason Lieber, traffic guy. One, two, three, Spear Boulevard. Again, I will take the bitcoins. Um, Send me a Twitter message and I'll send you out that uh, whatever, however you do the bitcoin. Just leave the check blank. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Disney, I was reading a story where Disney World in Florida, it's ready to launch the largest commercial deployment of driverless passenger vehicles. And they're now testing this fleet of driverless shuttles that would basically take the passengers throughout the parking lots and around the theme parks. So not inside, but around it and through the parking lots. And according to sources with direct knowledge of Disney's plans, the company is in late stage negotiations with these two different manufacturers of these autonomous shuttles. One's called Local Motors based in Phoenix. The other one is Navia, based in Paris. I I think it would go with a Phoenix company, personally. The sources who asked not to be identified to avoid offending Disney said the company plans this pilot program later on this year to transport employees in these electric drive robot vehicles. And if that goes well, they said the shuttles would then transport Disney World visitors sometime next year. Currently, there's no plans for driverless shuttles at Disneyland in Anaheim. I I imagine these type of autonomous shuttles are going to be the real first real-life exposure that most people are going to have to this driverless technology as we get, you know, more and more into the future, right? Uh, Disney was the first with monorail, so they might as well be the first with autonomous shuttle uh, going around the parks. If they are creative enough, I think this might be fun to have some of the Disney characters pretend to drive the vehicles, you know, put Goofy out there. Do you remember that one Disney... It was a it was a cartoon where Goofy turns in from I don't know Mr. Walker to Mr. Wheeler. He turns into this. He gets into his motor car, and then as soon as he gets, he turns into a road crazy person, and then he goes. <laughs> and then, so he's driving like a crazy person. You know, he wouldn't even as he's walking around, he wouldn't even step on an, on an ant or a fly or whatever. And then he gets in the car and he turns into a crazed cra- crazed weirdo. Huh. I think it was called Motor Madness. I think that's what it was called. Anyway, look it up on YouTube, Motor Madness. I think that's what it was. You put you put in a uh, uh, Mickey Mouse. Well, and Stitch would be, I think, would be fantastic. He, he's a little crazy driver because he's from space. But this is a brilliant. This is one of your best ideas yet. Well, it's driverless, so you just have an empty driver's cab, and you project right. a hologram in there with whatever character you want it to be, and I could rotate on the hour for God's sake. This is this is genius, Thank Jason. You. I can't give you enough credit for this because you go to Monsters Inc. Land. It's one of the monsters driving you. You go to Toy Story Land. Mike Wazowski. What are you buzzer driving you? <laughs> what are you buzz driving you around Toy Story? I love it. See? There so, you go. Now you've taken it to... That's another right there idea. We just require a couple of percent idea fee, and then and then you can send again those checks here to the station at 123 Spear Boulevard. Good for Disney, though, man. Always on the cutting edge of technology, it feels like. Pixar, going back to the animation days, the yep. Imagineers, always on point. Well, we strive to be super helpful uh, here on the Driving You Crazy podcast, and we could be, I think, the most helpful podcast in the history of podcasts, right? Or maybe not. Have you ever sold your car yourself? No, but I fantasized about it, and it seems like it would be a really interesting experience. Now, if you have done it, you know that it takes a little bit of work up front. 
but then you'll always make more money than if you trade it into a dealer so it can be well worth the effort depending on what kind of vehicle you have, right? Well, the fine folks at Instamotor say they found the best listings. They all have some key pieces of information that set them apart from the rest. So Instamotor is an app that you use to sell your car uh, and or buy one if you, ha- if you want to get a used car online. The real winning formula is to include a description of the vehicle, duh, a condition of the vehicle, duh, and the reason why you're selling. Duh. There you go. Uh, they also say providing your name, a photo of yourself, and more than five photos is also important. They say one way to stand out is to be creative in your description and include personalized descriptions. So if you think about how a manufacturer or dealer tries to sell a vehicle to you, then you'll have a good starting point, they say. But there's no need to drone on about the routine features like the headlights. Highlight the ones that make the vehicle worth owning. So you want to go- do... Like your top favorite things about the vehicle that maybe other people don't know when they're uh, when they're looking at that kind of a car. Be sure to include the maintenance information, the warranty information, and anything else you've done to keep your vehicle in tip top shape. So I really like this report, and I think there's some good advice in here. But I'm I'm going to be honest. I would take this even one step further. I mean, we work in a business that relies very heavily on TV and video and other technologies. Right. So there's no reason why you couldn't go shoot an interview with your mechanic and have him describe, you know, recent maintenance, what may right. need to be done in the near future, how well it's been kept up. The one thing I would say is you always want to make sure to clean your car right before you do that photo shoot. Otherwise, nobody wants to see your McDonald's cup sitting in the back seat of the car right when they're looking for their next purchase. But I'm t- the vi- I think video is really the next wave here. I think people really want to be able to walk around. They want to hear the noise that engine makes, especially right when you turn it on. You know, there's a lot of ways you can take this l- next level. Really set yourself apart. And a good advertisement. I saw this with a laptop. My friend was selling his beat up college laptop at the end of the- at the end of his uh, senior year. And so he put up a description. He put a lot of pictures in there. He put in something like a very descriptive analysis of what his laptop looked like. And for a laptop that, in my mind, thought was only going to fetch about three hundred dollars, he wound up getting seven fifty because somebody saw his him describe it, and they thought, well, this would be a really good starter laptop for my child. Yeah. And so that's the sort of difference that you can see between a mediocre advertisement and one that really goes above and beyond. What it comes back to is how much work are you willing to put in, and how to get that sort of return. And it's a lot like as you were saying that the real estate market where they have a lot of pictures let's say you're just looking at a home with a lot of pictures but it brings it i I think a lot closer to home if you can see a video of the rooms and you get a feel for what it's like because in pictures it's just it's not quite the same as you would see it if you're just standing there seeing it in a video it's a lot harder to fake video than it is to fake a photo right that's what it comes down to and like you know look at how much makeup we wear when we're going on television you know because you know that you have to you have a lot higher bar to hit to really look your best whereas with a photo all it takes is a little lighting and an angle this way or another look at all the descriptions of selfies out there and how you can all the angles to make yourself look in some cases 150 pounds lighter yep i, I would encourage instamotor or, or any of these other uh, places to maybe start encouraging these video yes. reviews i guess of your vehicle as you're selling them yeah i think so i mean and i think if, if you're super creative you just ebay motors was always my thing yeah i'm a big ebay motors person i would encourage anybody who needs a car for under seven grand to look there and they're very amenable to putting up these sorts of videos and really customized descriptions the instant motor uh uh, article they actually said that honesty when you're doing a review is the best policy when it comes to the condition of the vehicle and that can also i would think in a video you can't fake that 
You, you, you're going to see exactly what it's like. Yes. You're going to see it run. You're going to hear it run. The hearing it, to me, is the big thing. I mean, when you put the key in the ignition and you turn, to me, like you can tell a lot just from that three to five seconds where it revs up for the first time. And and I would say, be as honest as you can, even if there's a little ding or a scratch or stains in the seats, then show it. It's okay to show it. And at least you go are going in there saying, I'm being honest, and then the, the buyer is going to trust you more if you're, if you're honest with what your description is, even if there are bad things there. Right, like the hail damage on the roof of your car to all my friends who park outside at my building. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they also say include the reason you're selling. And that's very important to buyers because it gives confidence that you're selling the vehicle and not just because there's an issue of some sort, but because of maybe, let's say, a personal reason. The most common reason sellers list as a reason to sell their car is growing or changing family needs and that they've already purchased another vehicle or that they're moving. So those are really the big three of why somebody would say that they're, uh, that they're getting rid of their car. What I will say on that point is that Yes, it's always good when you're a buyer to see in the description, oh, I ha- I just had another child, my family's growing, I need a minivan. People know that, and they lie about that, too. You see a lot of stolen vehicles that get resold on Craigslist by people who claim that their situation changed, but in reality, the only thing that changed is that they need to get rid of the car before the police come knocking. So, are you saying we should put maybe our children in the video? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Sitting there in the car seat? Something like that? My first car was was a used car. I bought it from my vice principal in my high school. Uh, she sold it to me for $350. It was a 1975 Plymouth Fury. And the deal was it was sitting at the repair shop because the transmission was bad, and now I had to pay an extra three hundred bucks to go get the transmission fixed. Uh, but then I just paid her three fifty, got the transmission fixed, and off I went. And overall, it was still a pretty good deal. It was really a fantastic car, except for the color. It was this dingy yellow with this off white top, and the part where that roof material there was this vinyl stuff and it had these little holes in it, and it would droop in the car down on my head. <laughs> and so I would I got this uh, spray adhesive and i would try to spray it in there and try to stick it up and it would get all of my fingers and it would it was, it was horrible and it worked most of the time except when the car would sit out in the hot georgia sun and it would just start melting a little bit <laughs> and sag down again but it was a uh, but otherwise it, the greatest part about that car it had a it had a pretty big so it was a fairly light car but it had a pretty big engine for its for its size and so it had the positive traction thing where one wheel would spin faster than the other and so there was this one area where I could turn up a hill and hit the gas, and it would it would start making the skid mark. It would you know the wheel would start screeching and spinning and smoking, and it was fantastic. Love doing that. In fact, just did it last week, right? No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what I did with that car. Oh man, I don't know what happened to it. Is that going to be the one that you buy when you're 60? You know, you know how people get where they're like, I want to get my first car and restore it to its original glory. And no, stuff no, like no, that. because what I really wanted. Instead of getting that car, what I really wanted, because I had to buy it myself. So what I really wanted, though, was I wanted to get a new Toyota pickup, a 4x4, just a two-seater, you know, just a yep. two-seater pickup truck, yep. the kind of raised up 4x4 deal. That's what I really wanted. And I still really want one. But then, so I had a little Toyota pickup truck once. It was like my first new car I ever bought. Okay. Was a little, it wasn't, it was the 4x2 model, little white one. I bought it a John Elway Toyota. And I had that little John Elway Toyota uh, uh, tag in the back thing that... That, that became a collector's item of some sort. Of course. Um, but it was a great little truck, and and she, my wife hated it. She, st- I mean, she just she did not like that truck at all. That surprises me. I, I mean, the, the research is out, and a lot of women like riding in trucks. 
Well, she didn't like riding in that one. Well, there you go. My first car, I have to get this story in. I paid $1,000. The first car that I bought, my parents gave me several cars and I crashed all of them. The first car that I bought myself, I paid $1,000 for. It was from my old boss at a shoe store. And he, there wasn't much wrong with the car, except that the front window was broken. Like, you, it, the power window wasn't working and there was no crank. So he had gotten, he had taken off the entire side panel and he had rigged up this little, like all of the wires into this switch that was supposed to work and raise and lower the windows. And I'll tell you what, Jason, it worked for about three days after I bought the car and then you were never getting that window down again. (laughs) And at the time, I was much fatter than I am right now. So I was going to a lot of drive-thrus. And so every time I would go to the drive-thru, I'd have to lean my seat way back and (laughs) shout through the back driver's side window to get my order. And then I have to reach my arm back like a dumb-dumb trying to like grab the food from the person i don't miss that car no there, there was one car the first one when i first moved here i uh and i had didn't really have a car i had to i was riding the bus everywhere and so i bought this car and i was working at domino's pizza and I, there was this guy that was the manager he was getting rid of this crap car that he didn't want and i got it for a couple hundred dollars and the driver's side window here was one of the deals the driver's side window didn't go up it was always <laughs> down and 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 the door didn't open the driver's side door. So I would have to, it was a good thing, and I think that's the way it was, because I had to climb in and out of the driver's side window to get in and out of the car. That's and I was amazing. And I was delivering pizzas in that thing for a while. That's amazing. Before I went and got that Toyota pickup truck. We made it all the way to episode 30, and you're just telling that story? <laughs> <laughs> this was, a, it was, it was this big beast of a car. It was like an old Oldsmobile, and it was this, this, uh, uh, this copperish color, and it was just a horrible car. I was actually driving it out west on I-70 over by Kipling. And I swear, so the brakes were horrible, and I, I, I think they were really just about to go. And so I'm in stop-and-go traffic trying to exit at Kipling, and I, I wasn't paying attention for some reason. And then, you know, the, I'm about to run into somebody, so I slam on the brakes. I come within two inches of hitting the person in front of me, okay. but the person behind me wasn't so lucky and smashed into the car and actually bent the back part of the frame a little bit. And so it was going to be total. I could still drive it for a little while, but it was basically totaled. Uh-huh. Um, and so I got some money. I actually got more money from the insurance company than I paid for the car. That's a great And feeling. I used that for the down payment to go get my Toyota pickup. It, every story has a happy ending, right? But I had to sign this, and I still think about this, and I signed, whenever I see those stupid Frank Azar commercials, you uh-huh. know, the, the, the strong arm, that I signed away that says... I, I am not injured, and I'm just fine, and I won't have any claim against the insurance company for injuries and any, anything like that. Smart guy. I missed there my opportunity go. to get, here's my wreck, where's my check? That's all I hear now. Because you know that happens all the time. Oh, for sure. People looking for crashes just so they can get a check. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Well, I'm still waiting for those checks. Um, again, 123 Spear Boulevard, Denver, Colorado, 80203 blank checks (laughs) i guess we could skid way our way right out of here right episode 30 is in the bag joseph there it is thanks again for listening thanks again for being here thanks again for uh listening to the old podcast until next time i'm the traffic guy jason luber i'm the producer joseph peters be safe and as always happy motoring